Okay, uh, as promised, this is the first of of two shiurim that are going to be um, about uh, Seder Shal Pesach. And um, we're going to look at a central paragraph in the Magid, in the Haggadah, that I'm sure everybody is familiar with. And uh, to highlight that therein lies the rub is that it is specifically paragraphs, passages, uh, pa chapters that we're familiar with, psalms that we're familiar with, that are hardest to teach because we're so familiar with them, we don't recognize the difficulties in them. And we have to sometimes deconstruct in order to construct. Uh, and so let's take a look at it. Now, this paragraph appears at the end of Magid. As a matter of what we're going to look at here is really the penultimate section of Magid, when I say Magid, what I mean is the bulk text of the Haggadah. Now, the Haggadah includes, our Haggadot have written in them all sorts of instructions. Make Kiddush here, dip a thing here, break a matzah there, hide a matzah here, bench, etc. But when you actually talk about Haggadah as a text, then that starts with Halach Ma'anya and ends really with Halel at the end. Um, but everything up until the meal, we refer to that section as Magid. And uh, the kind of charge to the end of Magid begins with these famous words. Rabban Gamliel Omer, or Rabban Gamliel Haya Omer, two different versions. And I am emphasizing that Patach, Ba Pesach, and I'll explain why in a moment. Pesach Matzah Maror. So a simple translation, Gamliel either said or would say, Anyone who doesn't say or perhaps explain these three things about the Pesach. What's the Pesach? When we say the Pesach, what do we mean? The Korban Pesach. We're not talking about the holiday, we're talking about the Korban. Right? So anybody who does not explain these three things about the Korban Pesach has not fulfilled his obligation. And here the Rishonim just have loads of fun I'm asking the question, which obligation are we referring to? And broadly, the two schools are the obligation of Haggadah, of telling the story, or the obligation of eating Korban Pesach, that you do not fulfill the obligation of eating Korban Pesach unless you explain them. And what are they? Pesach, Matzah, Umaror. All right, and I'm continuing just with the text of the Haggadah. <clears throat> now. But that's that's pretty, pretty redundant. I mean, they're saying Pesach twice, essentially. And then, and then not so more on top of it. Exactly. Very good point. So right away, we see a difficulty here is that the, the anybody that doesn't explain these three things about the Pesach, and they are Pesach, Matzah, Maror. And so to break them down, what we, what we understand is that the Korban Pesach has three components to it. There's the actual meat of the Korban Pesach, but the Torah commands us, as we'll see a little later in the Shior, to eat it with Matzah and Maror. So each of these elements has to be explained which means that those three things together sort of make Korban Pesach. And he starts, Pesach zeh sha'anu ochlim, sha'yu avotenu ochlim b'zvan jemet l'mintash kayam. This is one version, the common version of the Haggadah, cuts out that first phrase. And Pesach sha'yu avotenu ochlim b'zvan jemet l'mintash kayam. The Pesach that our ancestors ate when the Beit HaMikdash was around. However, we will see that as with almost every line in this passage, it's not so simple. Al-Shumah, why did they eat it? 
because Hashem either passed over or protected, depending how you translate the word Pasach, on our ancestors' homes in Egypt, Shinemar, and we have the famous Pasuk from Artem Zevach, Pesach, Hula, Adonai, Hashem Pasach, Abedem, and Yisrael, Mitzvah, 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 and here the Gemara tells us that we pick up the matzah. We do not pick up the cooked item on the table when we say Pesach. And again, Haggadot have slight variations in the wording. Simple idea here is that the dough of our ancestors did not have time to rise before Hashem re uh, revealed himself and redeemed them immediately, which, of course, is not true to the story in Sefer Shemot for several reasons. First of all, because when Moshe commanded Bnei Yisrael regarding the Pesach, which was sometime before the 10th of Nisan, if not earlier, he told them to eat it with matzot, which means matzah was part of the plan. It's not as if, okay, we're going to let stuff rise. Whoops, God Hashem appeared, and we're going to go. Plus, we also don't find that Hashem appeared and redeemed them. Hashem manifested his presence in Mitzrayim in the middle of the night and killed the Bechorot, and we left in the morning. So there's plenty of time to rise. So that's difficult. So it's unclear that this pasuk actually says that. It says they baked the dough that they took with them out of Egypt into Matzot, it was not Dan Chametz, because they were chased out of Mitzrayim, and they couldn't tarry. They had also not made any food for the road. But it's not so clear that they had prepared dough, and then suddenly, boom, they, they, God appeared and they had to leave. It sounds like maybe they thought they could stick around for a while, and the Egyptians ch chased them out. In any case, Maror Mitzrayim, we eat maror because the Egyptians embittered our lives in Mitzrayim. All it says there is that the Egyptians embittered our lives. It doesn't say anything about eating it at the at, with the Pesach. Now, this sounds like it's connecting two distant dots, which is a pasuk in, uh, in Perak Aleph of Shemot. It says they embittered our lives. And then in Perak Yudbet, God commands to eat the Korban Pesach with matzot um mirorim, so that's as of to say, when you eat the Pesach, don't forget the slavery, the bitterness that you were redeemed from. All right. And those are the paragraphs. The Haggadah continues. Bechol dor vador. And we're going to stitch these together and see how these things flow. Bechol dor vador chayav adam And famously, the Rambam has four significant changes in his word, wording here. Not that in every generation a person has to view himself, but rather has to display himself. As if he himself now left the slavery of Egypt. And what's the proof text? Right, that a person is obligated to tell his child, on that day, saying, this is why Hashem took me out of Mitzrayim, which would imply that it's his job to view himself as if he got out, because he has to say, Lee, what Hashem did for me. The problem, of course, is, and as I pointed this out last week in another forum, 
is that this pasuk is Moshe's command to the people who are leaving the to the generation of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And he's telling them, when you're teaching your kid about it, make sure to tell them, that's why Hashem took me out. Hashem did take him out. That doesn't speak to future generations saying they have to imagine as if they were also taken out. So it becomes a little difficult and becomes more difficult because the next line in the Haggadah is, Lo Hashem did not just redeem our ancestors, he redeemed us with them. Now, us with them is a is a nuance that is often lost because what we do is we interpret this line based on the previous line, and that is to say we should imagine as if we ourselves came out. But that's not what this line says. What this line says is that we have to understand as if we were redeemed with them, meaning they were the ones redeemed, and we're somehow in their shadows being taken out. And what's the proof text? This is from Sefer Dvarim, not from Shemot. And you tell your son, now this is being told now to the generation that was born in the desert, which means they were never in Egypt. Or if they were, they were a little tzutzalach, they don't remember. That they were born in the desert, and they're told when they come into the, into the land and have Pesach, and their son asks them, what are all these mitzvot? And you answer, we were Avadim, etc. Hashem took us out in order to bring us into the land. So the only way that you can have the same us be the us that left and the us that entered the land is if us now um, uh, rises above the individual and becomes the corporate super-temporal Israel that exists in all generations. Okay. And then, Therefore, we're obligated in the nine terms of extolling and praising. The one who did miracles for our ancestors and for us. Parenthetically, some of those phrases are taken from the uh, the ninth chapter of Megillah Esther. Favorite song on our table, those last five words. And that goes to Halal and the Bracha. All right, so the first question I want to pose is, are these paragraphs all a unit? And it becomes a vital question when you look at this word, lefichach. Lefichach means, therefore. Lefichach is a word used in non-formal logic when you presented several premises and then you have a conclusion. Say, therefore, conclusion. All right, so now, is this lefichach bouncing off of the last paragraph before it? Is it a conclusion from the two paragraphs before it? One and two? Is it somehow connected to the old passage? What is the lefichach about? Another question I want to pose is this is the text of the Haggadah that we're looking at, which means we recite this. And I'm looking across in my Zoom palette in front of me, and I see people who every one of us says the words or maybe now we say that as part of Haggadah. Do you ever think about how weird that is? You do not recite as part of Haggadah before Manishtana Khan Haben Shoel Aviv Manishtana You don't recite as part of the text and now the son asks the father Manishtana Lai Lazet. You don't recite before picking up the cup for Vishamda. 
Mechassin et hamatzot to magbiat hakos, and you don't. There's no tune for it. Cover the matzah and pick up the kos. We either might tell it. Okay, everybody now we we tell people, but we don't part make it part of the text. Why is Megamli Alamir? Why is that whole first line and a half? Why is that in the text that we read? You ever think about how strange that is? We're reading the instructions about what we're going to do. That's part of what we're doing. Very odd. Um, also, take a look at the order of the of the of the telling. Rabbi Gamliel says you have to explain three things that are Pesach, Matzah, Maror. All right. Now, think about why that makes a lot of sense to go in that order. And I could I could give two arguments. But if you want to unmute yourselves, throw out an argument why the order should be Pesach, Matzah, Maror. Why should it start with Pesach? Um, you know, it's such a small area. I don't think it's going to be too much. Okay. If, if you're going to unmute, say something. Otherwise, the ambient noise comes through. Yeah. No, Pesach is the essential, is the essential karmat. Oh, the obvious thing is that Pesach is the basic thing, and Matzah Maror are the, are the, uh, the add-ons, right? You don't have a bun, you have a hamburger. In the hamburger, you have a bun, you have lettuce. That's basically what Pilgrim Pesach is. So the main thing is the hamburger. So therefore, you start with Pesach. There's another reason to start with Pesach, because that's what you said. About the Korban Pesach, right? And the Matzah Maror coming, it's kind of the same answer, all coming because of the Pesach. But somebody will give me a counter-argument. Why should you end with Pesach? Because that's the time order. What? That's the time. First, they were bitter, and then they made matzah to right. get out, and then then they had the Pesach. Right. So first of all, that's the chronology of how it happened. I'm reading the Kodesh. Right, and also, and also, what's the rule of Pesach? Matchil bignutu b'sayim b'shevach. Supposed to start with disgrace and end with praise. So why are we starting with Pesach and ending with Maror? It's kind of it's kind of strange. And we're going to see that things are not what they appear to be. Now, when you look at the text of a Haggadah, and again, compare Haggadot, you will see they're not all the same. When you look at the text of a standard Haggadah with its nuances and, vari and variations, what you're looking at is one version of the story, meaning one version of a way to tell the story, and a version that over time crystallized. But it's by no means the only version. And I don't mean that you know, that some version that aliens came down and hit the Egyptians with white leprosy. I, what I mean is ways to tell the story. Same story, same information, different ways to tell it. So what we're going to do is take a little look through some earlier texts that impacted on the Haggadah. And believe it or not, the Haggadah is that old as a formulated text that it impacted back on those earlier texts. Let's take a look. All right. And what I really want to do is ultimately stitch all of this together so that the Lefichach connects back to the top. By the way, is there any other rabbi who gets this kind of credit in, in the Haggadah? Which rabbis are mentioned in the Haggadah? Uh, Hillel. Who? Hillel. Hillel's mentioned because of his opinion about the Pesach. It's not just Matzah and Maror separate and Pesach separate, but all three together. Good. Who else? Rabbi Eliezer. 
sitting in Brock. And Rabbi Yossi Aglili, along with Rabbi Kibbutz Rebelezer, again, because of Haggadah math. Right? Okay. But that's it. But none of them, none of them are part of the formulation of what we're doing. We quote them because they're teaching us something. Amar Rabbi Akiva, you know, Kama Makot, Laku, etc. Kohomaka was five, so therefore there's 50, this is 250. Okay, very nice. We hear a story about them sitting. But we don't ever have them telling us what to do and then doing it. And our paragraph is unique. All right, so let's go back to the beginning and let's see what's what. First thing is, when we take a look at Parshat HaKodesh that we just read, this past Shabbat, we see that we're commanded on the, in Mitzrayim to take in an animal into the, on the 10th, a lamb or a goat on the 10th, bring it to the housekeepers on the 14th, and shecht it on the, in the afternoon and put on the door doorposts and on the lintel. So they eat the meat that night, has to be roasted with matzah and maror, whether meaning matzah and maror along with it or all of it with matzah and maror is how it's to be eaten. And then all of the other laws of the Quran Pesach. But as you see, the very first law about eating the Quran Pesach is the, um, the accoutrements of the Quran Pesach, matzah and maror. And it has to be roasted. And then we get all sorts of other laws about the Quran Pesach and we continue on. Now, notice something else that happens. And again, we're going back to basics, to the, the very basics, to Parsha Bo, where, where it happens, not even very, in Parsha Bo, where it happens. After Hashem gives Moshe, where we left off this Shabbat was at the words, Tochlu Matzot, the last small words in front of you on the screen. After the Parsha Tachodesh, we have another Parsha, which is Moshe relating the laws of Parsha Tachodesh, or at least some of them, meaning we assume we relate all of them, but we hear about some of them, that he relayed now to Bnei Israel, which is what Hashem told him to do. So what did Moshe tell them to do? Go and inquire for yourselves from the flock and shech the Pesach, and you take the hyssop and you put it in the cup where the dam is, and you put it on the lintel on the tomb of Zuzot, right? And don't anybody leave, um, and don't leave the house till morning, and Hashem will come through, and he'll see that, and he'll pass over the houses or protect the houses, etc. Okay. When you come, when you uh, come to the land, uh, you should continue doing this avodah. Of course, the assumption here is the Bnei Israel are going to go be going straight at some point from Mitzrayim to the land. And so when they get in the land, they will do the Avodah. Not necessarily immediately. Could be they're going to be in Mitzrayim for a while. They don't know they're leaving now. But when at some point when they come back to the land, they're going to continue doing this. And I'm going to look at, at this out of the context of different Banim and different parts of Shemot and Varim interacting with their father, but rather just right now. Your kid's going to say to you, Right, which means he's going to say, "What what does this avodah, this worship act, mean to you?" Va'amartem. This is your answer. 
It is a Pesach offering to Hashem, because Hashem passed over our houses, He killed the Mitzrim, and He saved our houses. Right? And that's so, so in other words, Moshe is already providing the answer to the father when the kid says, what's this weird korban that we're doing? You can say, that's what it's about. Which means that we already have a principle that seems to be built in to the korban Pesach, which is inform informative. In, in that, when the family is eating the korban Pesach together, which is another new thing about the Pesach, it's a family korban, it's It's not an individual or a bunch of colleagues or a bunch of rabbis. It's a family together. That in that context, there needs to be a declaration of meaning of what this korban is. Now, if you put those two together, the two highlighted verses together, you perhaps can make the following argument. And perhaps this is what Ragamliel says. After all, what makes up the Korban Pesach? Based on Pasuk Chet, the Korban Pesach is made up of Pesach Matzan Maror. It has to be eaten together. Whether they together means in one clump or Matzan Maror together Pesach separately, like Rabbanon against Hillel, doesn't matter. It has to be eaten together. It's like one meal, one time. That's A. B, what do we see here? That the Korban Pesach alone among all Korbanot has to be explained as to its meaning, the implication of its name, and the thanksgiving involved in bringing it, dafka within the context of Haggadah, dafka within the context of teaching your children about what's going on. All right, so that's the kind of the background information. Um, now, notice that when B'nai Israel got up to leave Mitzrayim, uh, in early in the morning, it says, They took their dough before it had risen. Now, it's a little unclear what's going on. Did they know they were going to be leaving in the morning? Evidently not. But what did they start doing in the middle of the night? They started making dough. Why are they making dough? It's a little bit strange. And the dough didn't rise, and they had to leave. And they put it on their on their shoulders, and now when they are out on the road, by Tabatsek, the next highlighted piece, but again we have that problem. This is the pasuk we already saw referenced. They baked the dough that they took out with them, and it only became matzot, not chametz, because they were they were rushed out of Mitzrayim and they couldn't wait. Now, this is a little strange, because they're already out of Mitzrayim, meaning they're already on the way out. So when did they bake this into Matzot? It's a little odd. But the greater oddity in it is what we saw back here. What are we told in advance is going to be a staple of the Korban Pesach? The answer is Matzah, which means well in advance we know we have to prepare unleavened bread to eat with the Korban Pesach. So which is it? So you could make the argument that Akkadosh Baruch Hu knew that they were going to be redeemed in one half a second, and when they thought they were going to be staying in Mitzrayim and just being there as as elevated citizens or whatever, and then at the last minute they realized they had to leave, so they had to grab their dough with them and take them. But again, that's odd. 
So we have to see if we can put that together. Now, I want to, that's just the background in the Psukim. I want to go to the source of Rebbe Gamliel. Take a look here at these Mishnayot. Look at source three, which is Mishnah Dalin Hay and Vav um, in Vav and Zion in Parakut in the Sachim. Now remember, Parakut Reb Sachim, which we've seen every time we've done a shir on the Seder, we've gone back to this because Arveh Sachim, the Mishnayot of Arveh Sachim, or Arab Sachim, walks you through the Seder from beginning to end. It's great, it's elegant. And we're going to follow in source three, and then we're going to reference the differences in source four. Source four is our printed Mishnah. Not the same, and the differences here are very big between our printed Mishnah and the Kaufman manuscript, which is I mentioned numerous times, is really the, the best manuscript we have of the Mishnah. Okay. So I'm going, I'm reading again from source three, Kaufman, Mishnah Dalin. Mazgulo kosheni v'chena ben shoel im eimdat ben aviv malamdo. Right, and this is famously um, uh, where he pours the second cup and the kid asks, and last year, we, two years ago, we talked about is manishtana the kid asking? Is it the father saying it? Is the kid asking one question and the father's responding with several responses? A lot of different possibilities. Take a look at one critical difference. And you'll see why I'm putting this up here. You, you, you wonder, like, aren't we supposed to be down here in Gamliel in Mishnah Hay? But you'll see why. Now, for now, I'll just play the standard game, which is the kid is asking these questions, right? That's the first question. What's the first thing he asks about? What's the first thing that he asks about in here? Dipping something into... Right, which evidently is a reference to the maror, which is dipped actually twice, because right. that was already the, also the karpas. But you would explain to us two or three years ago that dipping was the beginning of... Dipping vegetables or something was the beginning of their meal. Right. In general. He's asking, or perhaps, maybe normally we do once, which, of course, we talked about earlier, how it is that the kid knows later, and the simple answer is that all of this text was originally read after the meal, and the kid already saw these weird things. All right. Now, we're familiar with that. And number three, Every night we eat meat that's cooked, boiled, roasted, etc. Tonight only roasted. And that's it. By the way, notice, Misubin, reclining, is not here. Why is reclining not here? Very simply, because they recline for all meals. Nothing weird. And Maror is actually not here as a separate question, because it's part of the Matpelin question. All right? You notice in the in the Tfus, and this is probably influenced by Hagadot, they added in the Maror question, Char Yerakot. All right, now, and you teach Good. Now let's get to Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel Omer, or in the printed, Rabbi Gamliel Haya Omer. By the way, what do your Haggadot say? Do you remember? Rabbi Gamliel Haya Omer? Rabbi Gamliel Omer. Good. Check it out. You'll see. Some yes and no. Kol Shalom Amar Shloshad Vayim Elu Ba Pesach Le'etzai Dei 
Get ready for some surprises, okay? And we're following Kaufman. Pesach matzah umirorim. Not maror, but umirorim. Why? What does the Pasuk say? Al matzot umirorim. Right? Pesach, notice, al shem shepasach hamakom alatein mitzrayim. Finished. No shenemar, no support proof text, just the Pesach is there because Hashem passed over the houses. Notice now the very strange thing that happens. Mirorim al shem shemeru mitzrayim et chayavotenu mitzrayim. What do you see strange in Mishnah Hay and Kalpan on the right side? The change of order. Look at the order. Rabbi Gamliel said you have to explain Pesach, Matzah, and Mirorim, and then he explained in Pesach, Mirorim, and Matzah. Very odd. Very odd. All right. However, if you are familiar with the you see the more standard order in which he does it, Pesach and then Matzan Maror. Um, notice that he identifies the three symbols and explain the three symbols. But look at the previous Mishnah. What did the kid ask about or the father teach about? Whoever it is who says Manishtana, what did they highlight? Why are we eating only roasted meat? Why are we eating only Matzah? Why are we dipping again? In other words, the kid asked about three food things that are all part of the Korban Pesach. In other words, Rabbi Gamliel is the answer to Manishtana. Do y'all see it? And therefore, in our better text, we have three questions, as it were, and we have the three explanations, which is the answer to Manishtana. The kid asks, why are we doing this? The answer is, we did Pesach because Hashem protected us. And that's roasted. We're eating Maror because... They were dipping because they embittered our lives. We're eating matzah because Hashem took us out. Okay. Now, another strange thing happens is the entire paragraph, Behold Orador, does not appear in Kaufman. It's not in the Mishnah. Open up your Mishnah at home, you'll see it in there. And you'll see it on the left-hand side, but I put it faint because it's not in Kaufman. Behold Orador, Which means, by the way, we have something very odd. There is no escaping the reality that Lefichach is connected to Rabbi Gamliel. I'm not saying he said it. We're going to take that apart in a few minutes. I'm saying there's no escaping the reality in front of us in Mishnah Hay. Rabbi Gamliel says, if you don't explain these three things, I don't get the Lefichach. If you think about it, this manuscript, this Mishnah makes no sense. What's the Lefichach? If I look at the printed Mishnah with Behold or Vador, then the Lefichach makes sense, but something else doesn't make sense. Because here I say, Behold or Vador, I have to envision myself as if I got out of Mitzrayim, and therefore I have to give thanks. I get that. But now I have to ask, what is Behold or Vador doing after Pesach Matzah Maror. Do you ever wonder about that at your Seder? We all read it. We all sit there, Regamli Elmer, and of course people are getting hungry because we're getting near the end of Magid, and uh, if you're depending where you are, the waiters are bugging you, can we bring the soup yet? Can we bring the soup yet? But in the meantime, think about it. You're reading Regamli Elmer or Omer, 
you're explaining the three symbols, and your very next words are, Is this something new? So if it's something new, I get it in the text of the Haggadah, but what does it mean in the Mishnah? You all follow the question? It's like it's like some sort of weird left turn. And by the way, notice that in the Haggadah, before we get read again, we add Right? Hashem didn't just take them out. That's not anywhere in the Mishnah, in any version of the Mishnah. Where'd that come in from? I'll show it to you again. Look on page one. Right here. Right there. That's nowhere in the Mishnah. Where'd it come from? We have to start stitching these things together and figure out what's going on. And hopefully, if we're successful then we will get a better picture, not only textually, et cetera, in the history of the text, but also emotionally, experientially, what we're, what's supposed to be going on. Now notice how the Mishnah continues after the Fichach. The Fichach, Anachu Chayavim, Lahodot, Lahalal, Shabach, Lefer, Lomim, Lagadel, in our printed Mishnah and in our Haggadot, there's a lot more synonyms. Lamisha Salanu Avotenu, or Avotenu Velanu, and notice in Kalfpun, there's none of the Purim stuff in the Afilal or Gadom, Shibud, the Gula. There's no Shira Chalasha. Hallelujah. As opposed to this Mishnah, the printed Mishnah, that has a lot more, but it's also missing Shira Chalasha. And then afterwards, we get into the famous Lachaloka by Chamad Hillel. Do you say one paragraph, follow the two? Right, and then Berchata Gula, Rabbi Tarfur, Rabbi Kiva. We've talked about that in the past. Rabbi Kiva's additions. The question is, well, what's going on with this entire section? So I believe that the entire piece is driven by the first two words. The entire piece. It's not just driven by the first two words, but its significance is determined by the first two words, which are. Rabban Gamliel. Let's start with this question. Who is Rabban Gamliel? Or to put it more accurately, which Rabban Gamliel? What are our two obvious choices? Because there are other Rabban Gamliels in the family. But what are the two obvious choices between which we'd have to make as to which one this is? It's either Rabban Gamliel A, Rabban Gamliel B. Who are they? Tell me a story you know about Rabban Gamliel. A law from Rabban Gamliel. Anything. You know the story about Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua? And Rabban Gamliel getting thrown out as head of the Sanhedrin because he insulted Rabbi Yeshua? And finally, Rabbi Gamliel coming back, or Elizabeth Azari was named head of the of the Sanhedrin. Remember that right. story? That's called Rabbi Gamliel of Yavne. Rabbi Gamliel of Yavne is in the very first generation of post-Khurban. Rabbi Gamliel is the hero of Tefillah who directed and, um, and assigned the task of uh, putting together Tefillah. Right, Shimon Apakuli, he steers Shimonas Rebbechodiv Nerman Gamliel Biyavne. Right, and he was the one who who did so many things to steer the the the, the path for post Mikdash Judaism in Yavne. But he had a grandfather. His grandfather was. Hey, how's I can? 
Rabbi Gamliel, we call him Rabbi Gamliel Zaken. And he's also well known to us. He's the one who made the famous Takana that's the beginning, the first Tikkun Olam in uh, the fourth parak of, uh, of Brachot, of, of Gittin, sorry, Hashaleach. Gamliel Zaken, famous. However, the Rabbi Gamliel here is almost assuredly, there's some who do disagree, almost assuredly Rabbi Gamliel of Yavne. That's important to note. Because when is Rabbi Gamliel of Yavne operating? Rabbi Gamliel of Yavne is operating after the destruction. That's Corbin. Right? Exactly. He's in Yavne. He's in, uh, he's basically in Yavne. Right? And and uh, and the Mikdash has already been destroyed, and there's this new form of everything that's taking place, including this new notion of Haggadah Shel Pesach that's being formulated. Now, watch what's odd. Rabbi Gamliel in the Mishnah said, "Kol Shelo Amar Shloshad Vayim Elu BaPesach LeYatzayidei Chovato Pesach Matzah Umerim." I'm now going to ask you a question. Look at paragraph A there, on either side. How much of that did Rabbi Gamliel say? And I'm going to make it harder for you by going back to page one. How much of this did Rabbi Gamliel say? You have just the first sentence. The rest is explanation. What? Just the first sentence. The rest is explanation. So in other words, Gamliel Omer, Omer, Pesach Pesach that's Gamliel. Right? Which means what does Amar mean now? Koshlo Amar. What does Amar mean according to that? Does it mean explain or declare? It just states it. Which means all you have to do is say Pesach Maror. If you think about it, it's a little odd, but again, that's the best translation for Amar. On the other hand, it's possible that Rabbi Gamliel is also responsible for this line, Pesach al-Shum. We're going to skip this part. Al-Shum she-Pasach ha-Makon Maybe the explanation. But not the Pasuk. And what's critical is not the Shayu avotenu ochlim izman shavikta kayam. Look at the Mishnah. The Mishnah does include the explanation, but without the proof text. And it seems that at most, as Rabbi Gamliel said, unless Rabbi Gamliel is also responsible for Lafichach. And now how do we how does Lafichach fit in? So let's get to know Gamliel a little better. A couple of years ago we talked about Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Akiva as having two different kinds of seders. We're going to circle back and look at Rabbi Kiva Gamliel himself. The Tosefta in Psachim says, famous line, Ein Pesach Apikoman. Apikoman, of course, is a Greek word, and it's the famous custom that they had of, rev of revelry after a festive meal, going from house to house, and you're not allowed to do that because we're supposed to stay in the, with the Chaburayas. So, Gon Egozin, Tmarim, Klayot, we don't eat other foods after the Pesach. What are you obligated to do? Study Hilchot HaPesach. Even if it's just you and your son, even if it's just you alone, or you with your students. 
And to back that up, watch this. Ma'aseh b'Rabban Gamliel v'hu zekenim. There's a story about Gamliel and the other elders. Shumas subin b'veit baitus benzonin b'lod. They were in the house of this wealthy guy in Lod. Vayu asukin be'ochota pesach kol alayla. They were studying ochota pesach. Ochota pesach means the laws of korban pesach. What happens if one leg goes out the window of the city? And what happens if the cleaver goes through but doesn't cut all the way through the bone? And what happens if a little bit of liquid gets onto the spit when you're roasting it? All the Ochot Pesach. Ad Krotagever. Until the cock crowed, quote Shakespeare. Higbiu omifehen vinni aru. They picked up the plate, they shook it off, and they went to the Beit HaMidrash. Now, does this story sound familiar? Ramagamliel and the elders are up all night in Misubin. Up all night, studying Yochot Pesach until dawn. Does that sound familiar? Well, the geography is different than Bnei Brak. <laughs> right. But does it sound familiar? I don't mean the same. Does it sound familiar? Yes. Sounds yeah. much like what? The story in Bnei Brak. Bnei Brak with the five elders who, by the way, were everybody except Ramagamliel. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Eliezer, and Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Tarfur, Rabbi Kiva, and of course, Rabbi Lazar and Azariah, but not Rabbi Gamliel. And what were they no. doing all night? What were they, they doing? Were, they were, oh, they were studying the laws of Pesach. Or not. No? You must no, they were. Siat Mitzrayim. They were telling stories right. yeah. Mitzrayim until the students said and came and said, it's time for Kriyachma. Here, what is Rabbi Gamliel doing all night? Studying Hilchot Korban Pesach all night until it was morning, a time to go. Okay. Now, another thing to think about in the context of Ring Amliel. And this is a revolutionary thought in and of itself. And it's a very revolutionary thought. And that's a, it's too much overkill. But it's a an, an increasingly revolutionary thought in the context of Ring Gamliel. Amar Rabban Gamliel. This is a Mishnah in Ediot, also Mishnah Beitza. Afwamar Stoshad Vayim Lahakel. He had three leniencies that other people didn't have. One of them is Ve'osin Gdim Mekulas Pudele Psachim. On the night of Pesach, you're allowed to make a Gdim Mekulas. What is a Gdim Mekulas? The Tosefta asks. Kulot Salim, it's all roasted. Rosho Krav Vikirbo, the whole thing, the legs, the head, everything together. That's what a Gdim Mekulas is. By the way, what is what does that mean? That means we're talking about a Corbin Pesach. And take a look at the rest of the Tosefta. Um, the Chachamim did not allow this on the first night of Pesach. They said you can make an Egel Mikulas, you can make a calf that's Mikulas on the first night, and you could do a Gdi Mikulas on the last night. But you can't say you can do a Gdi Mikulas on the first night. Why not? So Amar Rabbi Yosei, take a look. Todos Ishromi, Theodore, he was an important Jew in Rome. He would dafka have Jews, and he would evidently support them, to take lambs for Leil HaPesach in Rome. They prepare the Mekulasin, meaning roasted, and the whole body together, the whole thing. And the rabbi said, you know what, it's almost like you're feeding them Kodshim outside of the Mikdash. Because they call them Paschal lambs. They call them Psachim. Now put all this together and you see what is it that Rabbi Akiva is doing, Rabbi Gamaliel is doing on Pesach itself in Lod. 
meaning after the korban, what's he doing? He's bringing. It's like, it's like, it's like a bimkom. But exactly, not Clear. bringing just a little zroah uh, um, um, to put on the table. He's got for his meal something that looks like a korban pesach. And what are they studying all night? Hilchot korban pesach. Because of course you recognize it's not really a korban pesach, but it's sure close. And studying hilchot korban pesach based on the old adage that kol haosek b'torat, etc. It's as if you did it. And by the way, the uh, the Yerushalmi in Beitzah quotes this story, and it adds something else to the story. And you take a look, and the, the blue is the Tosefta, but it adds another piece, which is, words, If it weren't for the fact that you were the very important Todos, then uh, we would have, um, we would have put you in Cherem. Why? Because you're going to cause people to eat kodshim bachutz. And by the way, this is now an, another side question, which is, when did Todos live? Did he live during the time of the Mikdash? And the problem was, while there's a Mikdash in Shalim and you're eating gdi bachutz, or was it after the Khurban? So in almost all the sources, which we don't know about when Todos lived, in almost all the sources, it just said, they said to him, we don't know who they is. We do have one precious source in the beginning of the third paragraph of Brachot. Todos Yishromi Nhiget Bnei Romi Lachilan Gudayimu Kulasin Velepsachim Shalach Le Shimon Ben Shatach. Shimon Ben Shatach is in the middle of the first century BCE. He's before Hillel. Beit Hamikdos is standing, and he said, "Il Malei Todos Atak." Weren't for the fact that you are the very important Todos, Kozrani Alecha Nidui Shatamachil Yisrael Kotchim Bachutz. Notice. He doesn't say it's like you're having them eat kochim. You are having them eat kochim. In other words, what was happening was Jews in Rome during the time of the Mikdash were celebrating Pesach by eating a korban Pesach, or close to it. And Shimon Metzatach, who was the head of the Sanhedrin at the time, sent the message that really what you're doing would cause you to be thrown in Cherem. But you understand that this is a very problematic act. This entire thing of Eating the Gedim Kulas. It was a subject of Machloket. And yet, who do we see as one of the champions of eating a Gedim Kulas at the Seder? None other than Rabban Gamliel. And the reason that that's extra revolutionary, and it's revolutionary to say, let us act as if we're eating a Korban here in Lod after the destruction. The reason it's extra revolutionary is it's Dafka Rabban Gamliel, who from several perspectives would be the last person you would expect to do this. A, Rabban Gamliel was politically conservative. He was not a revolutionary like Rabbi Kiva was. Rabbi Gamliel was uh, somebody who was part of the Nsiyut. He was the Nasi. And therefore, as we learned in his house, the, the, the students learned Greek and the students were able to wear their hair in the Greek style and everything else because they had to be able to hobnob with, uh, with the leaders. He was diplomatic. The second thing is that Megamliel was somebody who Dafka was involved in shaping a new form of Avodat Hashem after the Chorban, Tfilah. And nonetheless, what's he doing on Pesach night? He's Ke'ilu having Korban Pesach in Lod. It's, it's remarkable. This is why it's so stunning. It's so so, so shattering in a, in a sense. Um, just to, picante, but to show you that how much 
this threesome of Pesach Matzah are bound together. There's a pasuk in, towards the end of Mishlei. Right? There three things I don't understand and four I don't get at all. And it's a typical Mishlei number scheme. It's part of wisdom literature. And the Midrash says, what are the three things that I don't get? Pesach Matzah What are the four things I don't get? That's the Arba Minim. And then the Midrash goes on to talk about what the Arba Minim might mean. But notice that at least from the perspective of this Midrash, Pesach Matzomor are as much of a unit as the Ula Vetrog Hadas and Arava are on Sukkot. These three things that come together that really don't have anything in common and they're brought together to create some sort of a unified message of some sort. Okay, Pesach Matzomor. Very nice. Um, I want to show you one last thing before going to the to our original text and trying to make uh, head and head or tails either one of it and figure out how our Haggadah came to be our Haggadah. In the Rambam, he says the following: In other words, after they've taken the food away, right to and towards the Minmagi, then they bring it back. The Omer, notice. Pesach It sounds like, by the way, this is when there is, uh, as you'll see, this is even when there is uh, Korban Pesach. You say, this Pesach that we're eating, but you don't pick it up, right? You pick up the Maror, Maror, notice the order, Maror. Right? And and you say think it to come and you quote the Pasuk. What do we say in our day? Pesach the Pesach that they used to eat. Notice, by the way, the Rambam in Hilchot Chametsu Matzah does two things that I think are different than us. Notice what's missing from this paragraph. What's missing? Rabban Gamliel, Hayaomer. <laughs> but you say, you start by doing what Gamliel told us to do, which is explain the symbols. Second thing is, what's the order in the Rambam? Pesach, Maror, Matzah. You see it? Now, let's roll back, try to figure out what happened. We have the following in the Mishnah. This is as early as we're going to go. The son has asked three questions, each of which relates to one of the three major food things that are on the table. And again, it's really happening after the meal, so therefore they can see it all happen. <laughs> and then Ragamiel says, you have to answer the kid and explain to him the symbolism of each one of these things. Now, it would make a lot of sense considering that the order is Maror Matzah Pesach in the questions to go in inverted order. Pesach Matzah Maror. I'll tell you what I think is happening. Ramagamliel says, really it should be Pesach Matzah Maror. That's how he introduced it. Explain Pesach Matzah Maror. Marorin. But I think the reason he inverted it was very simply this. Look at the text of Hay, and you'll see how strange it would be if Maror was last. I'll read it to you, and I want you to hear it. See how strange it would be. 
So if that's the case, then the lefia, the matzah has to be inverted. So it's matzah shem shenigalu lefichach. And by the way, now all of this fits together. Does anybody see that? But we still have a problem. It should be lefichach anu chayavim. What do you mean anu chayavim? Anu, we're sitting in in Beverly Wood. We're sitting wherever we're sitting, but we don't have the Quran Pesach. Not that, but we're also not the people who left Mitzrayim. What does it mean? How does this make it real for us? And so I think that the answer is, again, in the first two words. What did Rabban Gamliel say? Rabban Gamliel sitting in Lod, sitting in Yavne. Smoky remains of the Mikdash 40 miles away. No Horban Pesach that's real. He's sitting together with his Zakinim and saying, you know what you have to explain? This Pesach is because Hashem passed over our houses. Just like this Matzah is because we're redeemed and this Maror is because they embittered our lives. Why do we have to say the line, Amar Rabbi Gamal? By the way, there are Haggadot in the Geniza that leave that line out. That start the whole thing for Pesach. Uh, but we all say it. I think we say it because Rabban Gamliel Omer, meaning the very fact that Gamliel is saying this is what we need to know. That even now, post-Korban, we are still treating the Korban Pesach like a real Korban Pesach. This Pesach that we're eating, because notice, he doesn't have the eating in there, so we can't determine what he would say, that we are eating or that they did eat. This Pesach, I remember what's sitting in front of Megamliel, Kulas. This Pesach represents that Hashem redeemed us. What Megamliel did through this paragraph is he made the Pesach outlive the Mikdash. It's Amazing. It's fantastic once you once you understand what Gamaliel did. He made the Korban Pesach outlive the Mikdash itself. And therefore, when we read it in the Haggadah, we have to say, Rabban Gamliel, Hayah Omer. And well, how amazing. Here's Rabban Gamliel, who's starting a road of hundreds of years of reconstituting. Avodat Hashem without a Mikdash, who's immediately started in revolutionary ways of what he does with tefillah, and yet he's not letting go of Pesach. He's got a in front of him, and he's explaining all three symbols, each of them as if they were 100% real and vital. And therefore, since Rabban Gamliel says that, Lefichach anu chayavim lahodot. Because what did Rabban Gamliel do? Rabban Gamliel transcended time. And as a result of that, we all transcend time. 
And therefore, we are obligated to do Now, watch what happens. The minute that you enter into the Haggadah, this line, which is Pesach Shehayu Avotenu Ochlin, and you suddenly make it more, excuse me for saying it, real and accurate, the minute that you accept the opinion of the Chachamim and you outlaw the Gdimikulas at the table, and all you have is a little symbolic egg or chicken uh, a neck bone to remind you of the korban, then you no longer have that sense of immediacy and connection to Yitziat Mitzrayim. So what do we add in? This line comes in, and I believe that then it then impacted and got into the Mishnah in some versions. Because this is what's needed in order to get to Lefichach. The, the connection between Magamliel and Lefichach gets cut off the minute you say the Pesach that they used to eat instead of this Pesach. And so we add in, Behold, or Vador, Chayavadam, and every generation you have to envision yourself as if you got out. And then you have to add one more piece to the puzzle. Which is not in any of the Mishnayot, which is behold or vador means I have to imagine myself as if I'm living in the year 1425 BC, whatever year it is, in Egypt. And now I have to go one step further with Lord Tavotin Bavad, but and say, and guess what? Hashem, of course, took them out. Reality check. But he took us out with them as this Pasuk demonstrates. And therefore, we all have to give thanks. But you understand how these two paragraphs aren't needed as long as you have a Gedim Kulas in front of you and the Quran Pesach is real. And so therefore, neither of these paragraphs shows up in the Mishnah. The first, Behold Rador shows up in other versions of the Mishnah. The minute that we start referring to the Pesach not as something we're eating, not as something in front of us, but rather as something that our ancestors ate all those years ago. So hopefully this gives us a better sense of uh, critical and central passage in the Haggadah and also hopefully gives some more revivification to the experience of really going through Yitzhak Mitzrayim uh, anew um, two weeks from Wednesday night.